Hello and welcome back to another episode of Box to Box. I'm Alex Purry along with Jeff Aza Hauser. And we have quite a lot to get to. We've had a pretty exciting week of Champions League football, uh, some big results in the Premier League as well. But to start off, let's start with what is arguably the result of the season so far. I mean, it has to be Sheriff beating Real Madrid 2-1. Listen, I, first of all, predicted this. And second of all, am currently in the market for a Sheriff jersey. And I just have one question for you, Alex. Yellow or black? Mm, Yellow. Yeah, I need to, I need to, yeah. Where, where Where can you even find a Sheriff jersey? Um, that's a great question. Let's investigate live maybe on the pod football shirts or uh what soccer soccer.com world soccer talk uh what's the uh oh dh gate has some some good shitty jerseys by china wholesale products baby is it dh gate that i'm thinking of it might not be it might um, be though I'm, I'm literally checking right now sheriff jersey Watch, I'm gonna type that in and I'm literally gonna get like a jersey for like a pl- oh my god, they have it. Bro, yeah. you can get it, you can get one for nine dollars. Nine dollars and seventeen cents. Yeah, I like I'm not about to spend like money on these, so Sheriff Deer's full. Uh home yellow. Yeah, give me a home yellow, baby. Indeed. But um, I mean honestly, if there's if there's, if there's any takeaway that I have from this match it's that we obviously need a super league because everyone's tired of seeing teams like Real Madrid just absolutely oh wait they lost at home no 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 no. you're doing it wrong everyone's tired of seeing the minnows like Real Madrid in this big competition classic (laughs) classic favorite sheriff really just like why are they even playing in a group stage against these minnows and they should they should I mean honestly I was gonna joke that like they should have automatic qualifications at around a 16 but I did tell you, I did tell you they have a shot. Now they're seriously, they, I mean, you can't say they're not in the conversation. Yeah. Oh, now um, they are in the conversation. Do I put a name on this? Who scored uh, the winning goal? Because I was not. Like, I think. Hold on, let me look that up. Let's see. It, like Teal, Sebastian Teal, Sebastian. Yeah, Sebastian Thiel. Thiel. Yeah, Thiel. I, yeah. Is that is that the is that the jersey I go with, that, or do I just go? I see. I could also just leave it. Um, oh, oh, baby. Oh, I want, I, I want to get the Borat name though, but Yakshi Bovev. Nah, I'm not going to risk. Yakshi Bovev. I'm not going to risk putting a name on it. Just, just give me no name, no number. Uh, it's going to take, you know, 15 days to, oh yeah. On time delivery in 30 days. Beautiful. Brilliant. It'll be worth, I mean, by then we'll be in the knockout stage. So there yeah. you go. Oh, you better Unlike believe I'm United. getting the... You, you'll have a team to support. You'll have an adopted team to support in the, uh, in the knockout stage. Once First of all, once how dare you? <laughs> Second of all, that's a great segue to Cristiano Ronaldo. Takes yeah, I mean, his shirt off in public and nothing else substantial on that day. He did nothing until the 93rd minute and then somehow ended up with his shirt off. And against Villarreal. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a tapping. It's not, I mean, listen, we can hate on Ole as much as we want for the terrible tactics and all the disaster classes. But I mean, the ball gets won back by one of the hardest working 30 plus year old players in all of soccer in Edison Cavani substitute. 
gets passed over to Fred, who whips in a beautiful cross substitute that finds Ronaldo, who chests it down to Lingard, who any other player is probably shooting that. But Jesse's been so beaten down to a pulp that he knows not to shoot that. But guess what, Jesse? Substitute. Lays it off to Ronaldo, who finishes cool, calm, and collected. Why, as why, it, why, why, is it, why is there a need to make so many substitutes? So you're telling me they at home to Villarreal. They were struggling for most of the game. And they only got in because Alex Tellez scored a screamer. That, 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 I mean, that, that's if you think level. they were struggling most of the game, then you, you just snitched on yourself because you weren't watching this game. No, I mean, Villarreal, I think, deserved the lead that they had. I mean, I was watching but this did game they deserve? Did they deserve the lead that they have? Maybe. Yes. But I don't think it was because United were struggling in this game. <laughs> it's because, for whatever reason, uh, we seem to, without Fred in that midfield, uh, partic- like, Pogba was doing a fine job. Um, but but it was really, like, there was a hole in our midfield because we were throwing so many bodies forward. And honestly, like, at least in the first half, Bruno and Pogba weren't really able to create anything special. Sancho looked actually like one of our better players, just unable to, to kind of find the final piece. He's, he's doing a good job down, down that left wing, but there's no, there's no next step. There's no, like, he gets himself into a good position, can't find the cross, can't find the shot. And so I think there's just a lack of, like synergy between what he's doing and what everyone else knows to do. Cause you know, when, when certain players go bombarding down a wing, you know, get out, you know, make space for them to shoot and, you know, make, you know, like, you know, find yourself in the box in the six yard box when they're crossing it. And I don't think right now anyone on United knows what Sancho's doing. And so they, they seem to be like two gears that just aren't meshing and are just constantly rubbing up against each other. They seem to know what Ronaldo's doing now. Uh, finding goals. I, I mean, the question is, Sancho, I believe, has yet to score a goal yet. So uh, yeah, but I'm surprised, I, no, I'm surprised I, no one's raising the alarm bell about this. I the for no how, one's how, raising the alarm bell for a couple of reasons. The first one is the kid's like 20 or 21 years old, and he's been, you know, he's just six really, games, zero goals, zero assists. Yeah, uh, the alarm bell is not going off on a winger that's your third or fourth option to score in every game. Not. Okay, I mean, like Dortmund, a, I mean, a brand new player who's your third or fourth option to score is not playing 90 minutes most games. This is, a, is still finding his footing. Like all I care about is that the trajectory is upward because he looked lost at the beginning of September and he's finding his footing just what, when you watch him for. That's for still a pretty minutes. poor start, though. I mean, zero it's not goals, a zero, six, no, it's, six it's league games. Last season, I'm going to compare that to last season: eight goals and eleven assists. He so wasn't playing for a brand goals, new team in a different assists. league last season. Okay, Ronaldo's playing for a brand new team in different. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Everyone should be held Cav- to the standard uh, of Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, yeah, fine. Cav- Cavani. I don't think Cavani had to wait this long. To Cavani, get a goal. in his early 30s, Salah played didn't in. Have to wait this long to get a goal. There's way more hype about Jaden Sancho coming to United than there was about Salah initially. How old was Salah when he arrived? Well, I mean, what is he? 28 now. He arrived 20... four years ago, so he's probably. He's old. not. I don't think he's 28. He might be 29. Let, let me check. I thought he was touching 30. Okay, he's 29. He's 29. Yeah, so, so he arrived years, at, he arrived at 25. It's yeah. very different when you arrive at 20 for a couple of reasons. And, and, and I mean, obviously, uh, like, I'm not sounding alarm bells yet. I, like, I think if we get to early November, you know, December, uh, and he hasn't produced anything of note, and also that he's still getting all the minutes because with Rashford looking to be back into the starting lineup coming out of the international break. Sancho's going to have to fight with, with Greenwood and Cavani for minutes up top. 
Right, but, but then that that almost creates another issue when you have one of the brightest young talents in the game who might be unhappy with his with his game time. You know, uh, it's, it's the problem with United. They're signing just a bunch of good players, but we're not really. You're right. You're right. That's a problem. You know, yeah. No, it is because I mean, obviously, I don't think Ole has a clue, and I don't think he has a clue how to actually make it work together. This is a team that's struggling right now. They are. They did not play well against Villarreal. They needed a, a stoppage time winner to beat them. They lost at home to Aston Villa a week ago. They lost to Young Boys before that. They drew it home to Everton, and Everton probably could have won that had Yerry Mina stayed on side. Yeah, I, you're, <laughs> that, I, I mean, I mean, these, these are these are issues early in the season. Yeah, they are. They are. And I don't know. Right now, I I am of the, you know, the the personal feeling that yes, there are there are a bunch of issues with this United team, and my like my my like alarm meter is starting to creep from like you know two out of ten to like three four five like it's it's starting to move up but i don't think anyone should be freaking out you know the 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 roof isn't on fire no no i mean united have been in far worse predicaments and and sort of played their way out of it but the thing is now when you have the players that they do when they made you made the signings that they that they did over the summer the pressure is a lot higher and that's why last week that like but, yes, but the, the pressure been in the situation before, but it's different. It's different when you have Ronaldo and Sancho and Veron in your team and your expected title contenders, because this shit is not going to fly. Yeah, it, but it, it may have a year ago, but certainly it shouldn't. If United have any ambitions, it's not going to fly for much longer. Not for much longer, but I, I expect that, you know, every day in training, they look better. And actually, they looked much the better side against Everton. You, you mentioned the, the one. Uh, Yerry Mina staying on side problem, but United looked much more likely to to put a second uh, and and just looked like the better team for 75 minutes of that game. Right. And and, and like at, at least compared to the past couple of weeks, that's actually moving in a positive direction for United. Like even when they whether they were or weren't getting results, they didn't they hadn't really looked very great since the first couple of weeks of the season. And they actually started to look like a better team. And but the, the question is, what's going to happen when they play, you know, the Chelsea's, the cities, and the Liverpools? I mean, we'll find out. Yeah, we're going to find out. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out shortly. But still, I mean, they've yet to really be tested against, you know, the stronger sides of the league. And the fact that, I mean, they haven't really been all that convincing um, you know, against sort of the more mid-table sides is, is a bit of an issue. Yeah, it I is. Mean, the and... most impressive win this year was, was against West Ham, and I was actually very impressed with that. But you know, since then, they look like they, they look to have gone backwards. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I like. I'm. I don't know. I, I like my my level of worry. I, I'm telling you, it's it's moving up. Like it's trending in the upward direction, but it's nowhere near. This is a problem yet. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just just to get through the um, the next couple of Champions League results, we can quickly speed through Milan. Losing at home to Atletico. Now I, I know I don't know if you saw the the they got call. hosed. You think so? You don't. So you're saying that wasn't a penalty at the end? Oh, oh, oh! That's that's the the call you're worried about. Not those yet. Not the two yellow cards that were both incredibly soft. Those were soft yellows. No, I, so, I, I like yeah. Like I think a referee gives a stern talking to and one yellow. For that, like the, the yeah. stern talk doing the first one, and then a yellow for the second one. No, that, that was, a yellow for dog. both. Also, it, Kevin it De Bruyne got a, Kevin De Bruyne got away with that one without a foul. Yeah. I, I, actually, he probably should have been sent off midweek. To to be honest, that was well, like. Well, I, I mean, we we will get to that, but I mean, the thing with Milan, 
is it's been a pretty rough welcome back to the Champions League. However, I don't think they're out of it yet. I think they, oh, they, absolutely they, not. No, I mean if they, they they can get maximum points against Porto, um, and they, they absolutely have to because otherwise they're in serious trouble. I mean, yeah, but they have trouble, they have six but, points to go get against Porto. Like no right, one expected them to do this. Let it go. Who played each other twice and one, if not both, will will drop points. Um, you know, throughout that. So um, so we'll see. I mean, Milan are still in it. It's been harsh, but they played very, even down to ten men. They were they were very good against Let it go. Yeah, they. Um, they yeah, showed so. they showed that they have the fight to to go out and, and the the question really is can Porto steal any point because if Porto steals points off them I think it's over because yeah. I I mean the the only other thing that could be going through their brain is if Liverpool just bing bang boom takes care of Atleti and and Porto uh, in their next three matches there's a chance that because I believe they play Milan last let me double check that Liverpool do they play do Milan last, so yeah. there's a chance that, that could be a very very rested Liverpool, very hard exactly. rotated, you know, locked up first place already Liverpool side. So if, if you're in Milan, you you probably want Liverpool to take maximum points against Atletico Madrid. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah, you don't want Liverpool to have anything to play for. Um, so let's let's move to PSG against Man City. Messi getting on the board for the very first time for a team that is not Barcelona, or for a club team, I should say, that's not Barcelona. Um, but I don't know. It's still not really coming together for them, is it? Uh, like, God, this for for the matchup build as this was, which is easily the biggest matchup of the uh, Champions League so far this year. Like, I was watching this and I was just thoroughly uninterested. It was not the most exciting game of like no, compare no, that to wasn't. what City did at the weekend, and this was just flat out boring. Like I don't, I don't think PSG dominated the game. Like the the scoreline would make you think that PSG played like far the better team, but I don't really no, think. No, no, they didn't. And I'm pretty sure I I'm not gonna, I'm gonna pull up the stats right now. But a lot of the stats, besides the one that ultimately matters in the end, which is goals, favor City. I mean, 55 percent possession, 18 shots is six. 55 percent possession for City is like that to me is a win for PSG. If you keep City under like 57, I think you have played the game with the right Fair. amount of possession uh, okay. because. A lot of like you have to consider that like ten to fifteen percent of the game will be city possession that's irrelevant. Yeah, I mean that, that's true because they do hold the ball literally just for the sake of holding the ball. But look at look at the stats here: eighteen shots on target to PSG six, seven on target. Sorry, eighteen shots total to PSG six, seven on target to PSG three. Oh yeah, they they played like the better team. They were the better team. I mean, they, you know, had who was it that missed? Was it Bruno Fernandez that literally missed from like point blank range? He hit the post. We, I don't we, think we Bruno Fernandez missed in this game. Sorry, sorry, uh, Bernardo Silva. <laughs> excuse me. Um, you know, had had uh, Bernardo Silva just you know scored a tap in, we we could be having a very different conversation. But I think this reflects more on City than it does on PSG. The fact that they have all this possession and yet you know they're still sort of struggling to convert it into into goals, basically. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, and, and this is kind of becoming a theme. But again, it's that lack of a center forward that I think cost him here. Because you you put Harry Kane or Erling Holland in this team, they, they win this game comfortably. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll we'll find out. What like Pep really hasn't ever been the guy with just a big brute center forward. Like, like it's one thing to say like put Aguero up there, um, or or put like Lewandowski at Bayern. Yeah, but. <sighs> Okay, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. I completely my brain completely skipped his time at Bayern because <laughs> winning at Bayern doesn't count. 
right? No, I mean, I think Guardiola can make it work. With it's it. like winning an unfair fight. It's just <laughs> like, it, like, it's honestly like me versus an eight-year-old. Like, you know, this kid could be professionally trained and I'm just bigger. Uh, I was going to say, bro, I mean, it's, it's hard on you. I'd maybe start with like, you know, a, a toddler, but the, that eight-year-old is dropping, bro. Um, okay, okay, for real though. How yeah. many, how many eight-year-olds do you think like, would it take to beat you in a fight? Like, what's the number at which you oh, go? Hold on, hold on. My question is, I mean, I, I don't want to get too uh, cocky about my ability to beat young boys in a fight because that's already happened once in this podcast. And and you are left to Listen, if you, cripple, if you so. cripple me down a limb, then this is a different fight. Like, if you take literally, like, my right leg off and then you have me fight young boys, then maybe I don't stand as much of a chance. But, um, you know, assuming I have my right leg again, I expect to win that Yeah, fight. but this is you take, I mean, uh, Juan Bisaka got himself sent off. This is him taking off his own, uh, his own leg. This is United. This is, I mean, this is like if you decided to shoot yourself in the foot. Exactly, exactly. Gotta level the playing field. Yeah. Gotta yeah. level the playing field. Um, no, but I, I, I mean, on, on PSG though, they, they lost this weekend um, to, I believe it was Reigns. Their uh, first draw, or their first draw points, I believe? No. No, they, they definitely drew earlier this season as well. Um, yeah, so Reigns beat, loss. Them, okay. beat them 2-0. Um, I, I'm beginning to wonder if this team is really manageable because PSG, I don't think they, they didn't get a single shot on target. Yeah, no shots on target over the weekend. And, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about a Farmers League, but... But to not register shots, to be to be, to be a, a blood money and you can't... Yeah. Is, is, is an issue. Um, I mean, I think everyone had PSG as the odds-on favorite to win the Champions League this year, but they're really they're looking very, very vulnerable right now. Very vulnerable. Um, oh, without a doubt. And, and the question, I mean, you know, I know you talked earlier about Pochettino maybe not lasting that long, right? Club Bruges um, is going through, baby. That would be that. That would be, dude. Imagine Sheriff in the knockout stage instead of Real Madrid. I'm sorry, instead of uh, instead of PSG. PSG should be lucky they're not in the same group as Sheriff. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, I think it's more likely that City missed than PSG at this point. Like, yes, they don't look good, but points matter. Uh, the the only thing that I like, like I, I look at City's games against Club Bruges, and I think they probably take advantage. I think PSG might, or sorry, I think the English is hard. I like. Two games in a row, back to back, Club Rouge against, uh, I believe, uh, Man City. And I look at those and I go, "Hey, City should take care of business." They should, yeah. Wait, no, Leipzig, yeah, Leipzig yeah, have been awful. Uh, uh, yes, and Leipzig have been awful, but I think PSG might struggle against them. Why do you say that? Um, just like I don't know. I mean, I, they, st- they struggle against Club Rouge. They, they struggle they str- against Rennes. They struggle exactly. against everyone. Yeah. yeah, they like I don't know. They play they there's there's a kind of dichotomy here of yes, I think it's an absolutely terrible idea to play the Leipzig style against a team that has Neymar running down one flank and Kylian Mbappe running down the other flank. Like I think yeah. I but, think I mean, that that's absolutely terrible for Leipzig. But some something in the back of my brain is going watch Leipzig do it anyways. How I, I want to Here's a question to you about how manageable this PSG team really is, because we've seen good managers struggle there recently. And it it feels like the more talent they sign and the better they get, the more they struggle. I mean, that's what it feels like. I mean, Tuchel struggled there when he had Neymar and Mbappe. He got sacked. 
we're seeing Pochettino struggle there. I, I, I'm beginning to wonder. I don't think it's the manager at this point. PSG have been keen to sack their managers. I don't think the manager's the issue. I just think that the egos on this team are, I mean, maybe one ego in particular. I'm not, I, I don't want to pin all the blame on Neymar, but it's an unmanageable team. I don't think uh, Neymar's not even the first ego that comes to my brain and, and I look at and go, oh, this is a problem area for this team. For me, They're like, a ton. Uh, for Neymar, me, it's Verratti. Verratti. Well, and, and it's specifically Verratti because if you're going to have a team like this, your midfield needs to, like, if you've got those three up front, your midfield needs to be all industry. It need like, like, honestly, I, you know, and I think you could get better options than Fred, but I think if you drop a Fred instead of Roddy next oh my, to, uh, you are not seriously calling. For no, I, th- I think it might be a better. Verratti. Oh my, I, I would call for him over right Pogba in, in, in plenty of cases. Like, I think that there, there are plenty of times when what you need is a, is just pure industry. And I think that next to Herrera and, and gay that they would, Feel really well together and just kind of yeah. let Messi be the creative force. That, that's a problem with PSG. The one problem they don't have enough Manchester United players. That that no, is no. the problem. With I PSG. mean, I mean, take a player who's on their team who I think they could be playing over Verratti and Wijnaldum. I think should be starting over Verratti. Just well, I mean, Wijnaldum is industry. Exactly. Like like yeah. uh, what I didn't I didn't mean Fred. I meant that kind of player. I like yeah, I'm talking. Yeah. You know, not the great of the great, not the the Casemiro's, the Fabinho's, the Fernandinho. You know, not the absolute top tier defensive midfield. Even the like middle tier. But I, like, I still think defensive it's a lot of hitting this all on. You know, it's not all on him, but but I look around and I go in that locker room. It's probably hard to bench him. Like, it's probably hard to bench him because of his ego. It's probably hard to bench Neymar because of his ego. Messi has shown us as he was coming off the pitch that you can't really not play him. Kylian Mbappe. It, you know, might get benched simply because he's a want away player and has made that very clear to the media in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is you have stars who are discontent there. I mean, Neymar and Mbappe have been beefing recently as well. So, you know, again, IPSG is the odds-on favorite, but right now, I, I mean, I, I would say there are three, maybe four teams above them in the pecking order, not including Sheriff, uh, to go all the way. Um, but so let's 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 get to. I mean, other groups. Result. I mean, Group C is kind of going the way we expect. We expected Ajax and and Dortmund to. I guess I didn't. I thought. I think I. I think I had Ajax third, and they have proven Good me wrong Ajax so far. Sure. But yeah. um, I think that the way consensus expectations were, Ajax and Dortmund, like Dortmund, expect to win this group. Ajax expect to finish second, and Sporting will be hoping to play in in Europe. Um. The, the come knockout stages and goodbye Besiktas come to Besiktas more like go to home. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I actually Dortmund who, you know, I, I think I, I thought were, were the two favorites to go through seem to be taking care of business quite, quite comfortably there. Um, but let, let's get to one of the bigger results. This group, D, group D, group D, group D. We already Sheriff talked about it. Uh-uh, I want to talk about the other result. What? Inter, uh, inter dropping more points. That's what they inter do. Zero, so it's not, it's not much zero. of a surprise, is it? No, it's uh, and watching the game, like they're gonna get spanked <laughs> by Sheriff. Like they will. I, I'm not like. Are I, you? Maybe I'm saying that confidently, but I do think Sheriff will take at least three points from their two meetings with Inter. So you expect at least one? See, I I think the minimum is two. I think they get two or three. I think that it's. E- I think they either split like decision or it's just a, a pair of draws. I yeah, that, that's more like it, yeah. But I, I mean, don't see a world sheriff taking points off of Inter Milan. 
Yeah, yeah, at least one, and and that's going to be a problem for Inter, who look at Sheriff, who have have started to rack up points, and will probably, you know, assuming they take care of Shakhtar in their match. I cannot uh, believe they're actually top of this group. It's happening! Absolutely fucking wild. Um, I mean, so wait, in Real Madrid have Shakhtar, who you know obviously beat them twice last season. This group could get weird. This group could get weird, get weird fast. I mean, I think I, I do think Real Madrid will make it out because it, it's just they always make it out. Yeah, I but mean, they've they've been in tricky situations before and they always pull through. So I don't see how they don't. Um, the, the question is who, who will be joining them? And right now, I think it looks like it. I mean, it really looks like it'll be Sheriff. But if we had to throw another team in the ring there, I would say it's Inter Milan. Um, even though they do drop points, I'd probably fancy them over Shakhtar. They, I just think they've looked slightly better. But, I mean, I think we'll have a much clearer picture of who progresses after the next round of Champions League fixtures. No? Yeah, I, um, let's see. I think after two. After, after by, by the end of game four, and my real question is, how many points do Madrid drop? Because if Madrid drops zero points, I expect them to finish top of the group. But if they drop any points to Shakhtar, that's where I think you're starting to get into the chaos sections where Sheriff can legitimately win the group. Yeah, and no, absolutely. And they nick a point out, they nick a point off of Inter Milan and they they I mean maybe not yeah. a point, but they get the, they get those two draws and and we are talking about them top of the group. No, yeah. no question about it. Um so moving on to group E. Barcelona sit dead last, two games played, zero points, six goals conceded, zero scored. Bayern on top of the group um, with two wins out of two. Benfica with four points. This is quite an issue for Barcelona. I mean, they're obviously not out of it yet, but let's not forget, they still have another trip to Bayern at, you know, at the Allianz. And if if Benfica get a draw at the new camp, which is very feasible, we could be talking about Barcelona playing Europa League football. That's not. That's certainly not out of the question at this point, is it? Yeah, it's a. It's a shame Messi left because he had a real shot at, at at winning a trophy. Ronaldo can't. That's true. I, I mean, yeah, who knows? He could still be in the Europa League. Uh, yeah, Ronaldo won't be though. Yeah, I mean, you, you say that. You say that United still have two. Games Listen, if I Atalanta. say it enough times, it has to be true. Okay. Yeah, we we said enough times that Chelsea would beat Juve, and that didn't happen, did it? Okay. All right. All right. The, the guy finally wants to get to his game. He wants to. He wants to celebrate. Yeah. Fine. You get to. Juve one, Chelsea zero, we, and we, we were. I mean, there's not much to talk about this game. Um, at least not. I mean, it certainly wasn't exciting, obviously. But no, no, it was not. No, I mean, but I think what we saw was Juve revert to the style of play and the approach that suited them best, which was just close up shop at the back, and and it worked. And it finally worked. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was their first clean team of the season. They nicked another one um, against Torino over the weekend. But Max Allegri's side slowly started to turn the corner. And it's not the prettiest brand of football, but it's effective. And I think if Juve can shut Chelsea out, then they have a chance in this competition. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I don't think they're going to be embarrassed by, by a Porto or Leon. Uh, as you're right, you're right. The, I, I doubt between... Juve would be embarrassed by a Portuguese team in the Champions League. That would never happen. No, but that's a point. I don't see that happen if they if they if they can play as they did against Chelsea. I don't see something like that happening again. That's the difference between a match Allegri side and a side managed by play by managers who don't really have much experience at the top. One 0 against Chelsea versus you know losing to Porto and Leon. It's it's a big difference. Um, and 
you know, look, Juve are top of the group right now, still have some games against Zenit, so they're a turn like at Stanford Bridge. But I've been impressed with what I saw recently. I haven't been like, you know, necessarily looked forward to watching them play and sort of sit back all game, but it's worked, it's effective. And if they can continue with that, I think they could have a decent, a very, very decent run in, in this tournament. Um, I, I, I pumped the brakes on that. I think that, you know, they're still just, just by the nature of, of how good Chelsea have looked, um, domestically, I still expect that. Like, I, I still think Juve is the more likely of the two to drop points in the next four games. And I still kind of expect Chelsea to top the group, which means that there's a good chance Juve end up with a tough draw in the first, like, I think they're, a, you know, I think their best result is like maybe a favorite, like the quarterfinals. Are, are the, I mean, that's still better. That's still better than what they manage over the past few seasons. But yeah, Chelsea but it, weren't spectacular against Zenit either. Um, I, I should say that. And no. Besides, Juve, and, look, yeah. they can still win the group, but if Juve, let's just say they get, you know, uh, someone from group G is Salzburg or Wolfsburg or a Manchester United or Benfica. You know, oh yeah, I, I, like I, I think there's I just, mean, not, not that United will make the knockout stage, obviously, but no, but, but they'll I, win their group, so of course. Um, but you, but yeah. I, I do think Juve, if they get a favorable draw in the round of sixteen, we could be talking about a quarterfinal here. Yeah, they've looked think, better than PSG. I'm not even joking. They've looked over the past few games. They've looked better than PSG. Juve. Yeah. So I, again, it, it, it's early days, but I don't think that they. I mean, they had a very bad start to the season, um, but I. I would like to think that sort of ship has sailed. I mean, we're not we're not quite there yet, but they've won what I think four out of the last five games. So I'm starting to feel a bit more positive about this Juve side, particularly that that Italian core, um, Benucci at the back, Locatelli in the middle, Chiesa and Moise. I mean, more Chiesa than Moise Keane, but still uh, up top like that. I, I think that return to that Italian core is actually in the long run going to help them because I you know Ben. Oh, so, so you think that Benucci's is a solution in the long run? Well, not, not in the long run, no, but I, I just think generally, you know, having a core group of Italian players in each position is is probably better. Because so I think Ben made a point a few weeks ago that when you have Italy and Juve's best players playing together, the national team at a club level, that sort of strengthens the, the – I mean, not only their chemistry with one another, but that identity of playing, which Juve have really lacked in recent years. Um, yeah, the so, – the, the question really because like I don't think that's that's a very big deal for Juve where these players practice day in and day out for you know nine months of the year together at least uh, I think this it's a more a bigger deal for the Italian national team to have to have their spine playing at Juve together every day like I think but it's it, a, I think it is important for Juve as well though because Juve it, I think their best team right if you look at the teams that made the Champions League final you had Buffon, Chiellini, Benucci, Barzagli. So that's core Italian at the back. You had Marchisio in the midfield, right? So already, you know, you have a lot of Italian players in Pirlo in 2015. That's when Juve, that, that was the best sort of iteration of Juve that I've seen to date since I started following the game. Um, so th- that's why I, I do, th- it benefits both. I mean, it maybe may benefits Italy more, but it benefits both. Sure. Let's, I mean, let's, I, let's see them go out and actually do it and, I, like really, I'm looking at the at the spine you've mentioned, and they have two players in their spine uh, that that are actually like solutions for Juve over a long period of time. Yeah, this car is going off right now. It's really pissing me off. Um, I don't I don't know if you can hear in the background, but I can. Um, my order has been placed. Sheriff Tiraspol, bright yellow with the Champions League patch on it. 
the best the best $18.88 I have ever spent. Oh, no question. No question. <laughs> um, so, and then finally, we, I mean, I know we, we, we talked a bit about United beating Villarreal, um, but I, I, I do want to, I do want to say, I mean, they, they have on a lot, there's, first of all, they're currently third in the group. Um, obviously, it's only a point separating them and Atalanta, but they've Atalanta twice, who are a very solid team, right? They have a return leg at Villarreal, which will be a tricky fixture. So, I mean, th- there's definitely a possibility that United drop points here, no? Uh, yes, and I think really the trip to Atalanta is the is the game that they game. have to be the most worried about. I think that going into Villarreal, I think United should expect to get all three points, mostly because that game is legitimately over a month away. Um, in case you didn't know, Alex and I hate uh, international breaks with a burning passion, and we can't wait till we can come back to you every week with the results and not, you know, hey, international break next week. Hey, international break this week. Hey, there's another one coming up in two weeks, right? Like, oh, I... I think, no, the, the next one, not this one, but the next one's the last one for a while. Thanks. Yes, but, oh my God, I hate them so much. It better be the last one for a while. They really just kind of paused, you know, the, the fall half of the season, you know, very early on. And and I'll be looking forward to when they are, you know, when the November one is in the rear view mirror. And it is, let me check the exact date, but it's it's early in November as well. But the Champions League match days are like incredibly spread out. And more so maybe than I remember from last year where they started the tournament late and the result was that they were playing, you know, more back-to-back weekends in the groups. And, oh boy, I enjoyed that a lot more than this because this just reminds me that, yeah, so the next one is the 19th and 20th of October. And then the one after that is the 2nd and 3rd of November. And then it's the the 24th and, and 23rd of November. Yeah, that, that, that's the annoying part. And that's going to be a long wait. Um, but I mean, look, you know, by, by November, we're talking about match day five teams will played four games and we could be having a very different conversation. I mean, yeah, we could, who, these could be incredibly different teams. Well, yeah, they absolutely could be um, like, like legitimately there's a world where United look like absolute crap. Like they're, they're eighth or ninth in the table by the end of November and Ole's out of a job that that's a world that exists. There is also the world, world that where, where it clicks. Better and they get their shit where it, it clicks. They beat Leicester. They they get a result at Liverpool. Like that, and and I'm not saying that they're going to. I I predict Liverpool to win that game. But you have to be a fool to think that there isn't a world where United puts it together. Rashford comes back, and and this team looks like the best team uh, in the Prem for a couple months because they had they spent a little bit of time last year where they did that too. Like. Just on form for, for brief moments look like the best team in the Prem. I mean, I think if there is a positive way to spin United's sort of underwhelming run, run of games, it's that there's obviously throughout all this time, it's kind of been like a swinging pendulum where they've had bad stretches and good stretches. So, uh, I mean, if right now is their bad stretch, you would think at some point, just judging by recent history, they, they would swing backwards. Yeah. They and swing back, they do turn it around. So by, by November, again, yeah, I mean, you could be having a very different conversation. The other thing is that most of the time when United go through a good or bad stretch under Ole, like there was, there was not necessarily some consistent, like there wasn't really any reason, like you couldn't really pinpoint out, like, you know, bad stretches have occurred kind of under, you know, there was a chunk there. Pogba was hurt, bad stretch. Um, but there was, you know, Bruno arrives and lights the world on fire. Good stretch. Um you know, coming off Champions League success, uh, you know, team feeling high emotionally, you know, good run. Ole gets a contract extension. Bad run. Bad run. Um, 
a bunch of new players struggling to mesh bad. Like this is one of the more predictable bad runs is that like, yes, team that has three new starting pieces is, and, you know, players like Cavani who had no training and players like Rashford who are, you know, out until mid-October and players like Martial who need to be kicked off this team because Everton did give him a goal. And let's, as we move to talking about the weekend. Everton gave Martial a goal because they are a charity club that likes to give you things when you need them. When you are feeling down, oh, Everton will Lester. provide. No, Lester that's Everton. Lester is a Robin Hood of the Premier League. They take points no, to the no, top no, no. and they give it to the bottom. No, no, no. No, that, no that's, about, that's, that's about Leicester as a team. I'm talking about Everton as a team. Their job is if you are feeling downtrodden, if your team has yes, played poorly, yeah. if you have lost a couple of games, Everton will let you do, uh, and in this case, it wasn't that United was down. It's that Martial was down, the individual. So they let him have a goal. Yeah. And it was nice to like signal out the individual, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. United weren't in like, I mean, United weren't in great form. Um, so you knew, you, you knew Everton, you know, we're, we're going to slip up as they do. Uh, against but they singled before, out Martial. They and signaled said, out Martial. Exactly. Exactly. And here, here's the thing that matters. Out. Here's the thing that matters, man. I hope the uh, the Barcelona front office was watching that Martial goal. Just watch that on replay forever. Watch his opening goal against Liverpool on replay as many times as you want, and then please and then buy him in January. Hungry, and then buy him in January. No, 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 no. We'll, no, no, no. We'll pay 150 million. Get him out of my club in January. Goodbye. Uh, I think he's Barcelona, terrible. If we're talking about Barcelona, I think you would get paid a hefty. Uh... A pretty good fee because I would, Barcelona, I would sell him for like pay for average players. I would sell him for genuinely 15, 20 million. Like I, like, and that may be, you know, I don't know what he's worth. I don't know what transfer market would tell me he's worth, but I would sell him for that. Bro, when you go back to that goal, he scored against Liverpool, like in his first game, I saw that. And I literally thought to myself, that dude is going to be a Ballon d'Or winner one day. <laughs> I actually thought that to myself. Um, and I mean, it, it could still happen if, you know, Erling Holland and Mbappe and probably 50 to a hundred other players just, get injured and have season or career ending injuries. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a still, still more points dropped for United. Um, having said that for, for all the talk about United's poor form, they're only two points off Chelsea. Yeah. And they've lost once, um, you know, Liverpool is the only unbeaten team in the league. So every team has lost, but it, it's, it's not a disastrous place to be. The question is, when they again have can, the... can they have the the good form? Can they have can they really go at like they have they have survived the opening blows of the the season? And let's not forget that we are still in the opening throws of the yeah, season. Like yeah. yes, we're, we're months in, in, but we're we're less than twenty percent in. And and I think that any team will look at this and go, you know, sure, we're definitely still in this. Like I I think that. You know, let's let's see what happens when we when we hit around the 15 game mark. Let's I mean, like, I, I will say though, in in United's next nine games, they have Leicester away. Leicester have been spectacular, um, but I'll, I'll throw the, just just for you know, sake of the conversation, I'll add their name to the list. Leicester away. They have Atalanta. They have Liverpool. They have Tottenham. They have Man City. They have Atalanta again, and they have Chelsea. So th- this is really hey, where- hey, hey, we also get a little bit of fodder. Okay. We have Watford, we have Arsenal, we have Palace in that stretch. And like, you know, and, and the other thing is that the United are going to be given every chance to prove it in the next few months. Well, I mean, if United come out with statement wins or at least statement performances against an Atalanta or City or Liverpool, then, you know, then that, that will, It'll, be a things far will change indicator. very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
but you know we have to see and i think the fact that they they've struggled against weaker sides is a bit of an issue but obviously like like we've mentioned um they're they're sort of a you know hot or cold club and it depends on when you catch them yeah Um, oh oh man i like i i'm looking now and there's a chance that you know regardless of their results in october november united go on a stretch through the festive period uh because because you look at every team's festive period and it's really a make or break point in the season because it's so many games so quickly. Right. And, and it's it's a little early to be schedule hunting. But United's festive period is like, I don't know. It's it's I'll say it just starts on December eleventh. Yeah, where it goes Norwich, Norwich Brentford, Brighton. Uh, I, I would rub Brentford are there. I wouldn't put Brentford in the list of teams with like Norwich and Brighton and thought, Brentford are serious. And I, I I I don't know if they're like I <laughs> I, I don't will, know. Will, will it last? Will you know Brentford? I mean? yeah. yeah, will it last? Brentford is definitely on a a newcomer's high to the prem, but is it a season long high or is it a opening couple months? Also, right. Newcastle who are going down by the way, they look abysmal. Terrible. Yeah. Burnley, Burnley Wolves, Wolves, and that's it. Because after that, you get back to the one a week, uh, and there's an FA Cup uh, weekend in there. But that is that has to be a festive period that United is very happy to approach, given that other teams will likely have actual tough matchups in the festive period. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I want to compare that to to Liverpool, who, by the way, I mean, I will say they've gotten Chelsea and City out of the way. Uh, I mean, at least one of their fixtures out of the way. Yeah, um, all right. Let's let's start on the same date. Uh, starting December eleventh. Villa, yeah. Newcastle, Tottenham, Leeds, Leicester, Chelsea in that right, stretch. So, I mean, it's that's not as sort of the stretch, the hard part is stretch. the hard part is that like two days after two days playing before, Leeds, they had to play Tottenham. Yeah, two Sorry, days after playing, playing Leeds, they have to go play Leicester. Yeah. Two days after Leeds, that's and, tough. And, and, and by the way, I will say before Aston Villa, they have Milan away, um, and that you know could be a very important game or it could be a meaningless game. Um, yeah, that, that obviously remains to be seen. But uh, on Liverpool, um, uh, they were uh, wow. The second half of that game was a that was insane. <clears throat> trademark ESPN instant classic, and the first half of that game, whew, Man City looked like champions, and Liverpool looked like. Not. Liverpool look, look lost in that first half, but I think there, there are a couple of takeaways here. The first is that, you know, I think it's good, obviously, that Liverpool came out after a pretty poor first half and, and you know, turned on, uh, turned on the ignition. Um, and I think that's the mark of any, you know, title, title contending side is, is to step up when, when it's necessary. Um, but having said that, you know, that first half is, is a bit of an issue. If you look at the, the shots on target, um, well, total shots, Liverpool actually had more on target, but City had twice as many shots as Liverpool. So that's an issue. But having said that, I think Liverpool were unlucky not to win this game. Um, I, I don't know about that. Well, I think they I, were. I think I mean, they were unlucky not, they were lucky not to be down 1 0 at the half. And they were and, lucky not, yeah, I think they were lucky to be going into the half level. But after the second half, I think Liverpool were unlucky not to have won it, considering the fact that United, uh, sorry, City's equalizer was off a deflected goal. And the fact that, that, uh, Fabinho, I mean, full, full credit to Rodri there, but that was a pretty impressive. Rodri saved the game for, for City at the end. Yes, but. I mean, I, I could circle a, quite a handful of moments in the first half where Man City looked like far the better side and just weren't able to put it past uh, Liverpool. And that's like, I, I think that if you just watch the second half, you could easily come to the conclusion that Liverpool did not deserve to win. But if you take the entire game into account, I think that one, a draw is the most fair result. And two, City winning would have been the second most fair result. 
because you yeah, still play. Oh, you, you play ninety right. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but that second half, Liverpool showed everything that they needed to show, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. That's for sure. Uh, this mean, like Man City are very quickly reminded us that they are still the champions, and I think that we and I am guilty of this. That they are the champions until proven otherwise. Yeah, and I think that that we forget that. Uh, I, sorry, yeah, go ahead. I, I expect Liverpool to challenge. I expect Chelsea to challenge. I expect United to challenge. But I expect them to challenge. I, like this, this Man City team has what it takes, and they don't need, uh, you know, uh, Holland, a Kane. Like th- they would love to add that piece, but they have proven, and they proved it last year when Aguero basically missed the whole year, and they still won the league. That they do not need a center forward to one rack up the goals and two to win games. Now, other teams have gotten better, and they m- maybe haven't, but Grealish looks like he's he's starting to meld a little bit, and they're still a seriously talented squad that is going to, you know, thrive in the big games and, you know, pr- should be winning the title. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, uh, I mean, a couple of things. One, you know, Chelsea, United, and Liverpool have all looked vulnerable at times this season, and, and so, so have Man City, to be fair, but I, I wouldn't be so quick to compare last season to the season just because we saw I mean we saw a Liverpool side who you know had like a ridiculous injury crisis a, a Chelsea side who sacked or had to sack their manager midway and, through the season and more importantly a Chelsea side that spent the first six months figuring out how to play with all those new you know fancy shiny weapons up front and they brought in a new manager and even under Tuchel, they had to figure things out a little bit up front in terms of what groups of players work well together. They're adding another piece from the start of this window. They're still putting everything together. And on top of all that, you know, they, they still found a way to, to finish the second half as well as they did. They're going to be a serious team. United might like, I, I think that it's a very legitimate possibility that United's point trajectory is rather similar to Chelsea's last year in in the sense that, you know, they're going to struggle in the early half of the year. And I guess the difference is that United are, have, have won a couple more and drawn a couple more games that Chelsea lost at the start of the year where Chelsea looked dire and United have only looked like, you know, not satisfactory. Yeah. But but I expect this United team to be way different in the second half. If if United don't win a trophy by the end of the season, sh- should they sack Lola? I honestly, like... It depends on how they don't win a trophy at the end of the season. Because let me give you an example. Um, Take the FA Cup out of the question. If United are Champions League semifinalists and lose the title to Liverpool or City or Chelsea, doesn't matter who, on on Championship Sunday, you sacking Ole for that performance? That's no, no trophy. Yeah. Exactly. You're not. Yeah. And so and like, they finish seven points off the t- seven points off whoever the eventual champions are. And, um, and you know, and like a quarterfinal to, Champions League. Or yeah. even, like, I think... You know, it depends on how they look in the court. Is it a quarterfinal exit to Bayern? Question mark. Is it a quarterfinal exit to, you know, let's say it's a quarterfinal exit Dortmund? to to, to Atletico or Dortmund. Uh, Atleti, I'd be a little less worried just because Atleti is one of those teams that you know, first of all, won their league last year, and second of all, is just a brutal team to try and they're, beat over two are legs. They're to play against. No question. They're um, absolutely brutal. But yeah, so United you know, should be. I would still say United should be beating them. That's when you that's when you go look at the FA Cup. I think that what like if if the results are meh in the Champions League and they're meh in the title race, then you go look at the FA Cup. But as as long as they're playing for something 
on the last Sunday of the season and they, you know, and they make a serious run in the Champions League, I, I think that maybe you assess your options over the summer. Maybe you look at Ole and go, you know, this is an amicable parting. We're not going to fire you during the year, but we're going to go look and see who's available this summer. Because right now, who's available that United would want? Antonio Conte, because he wouldn't strike his... He wouldn't surface. And the, the long haul might not be the best solution. But if, if you want a manager who is guaranteed to win a title like that, that is the one guy you go to. I See, I don't know that he fixes things. And this is a team that's built to have an incredible stretch run for the next, you know, two, three, but also four, five, six years. Greenwood, Rashford, and Sancho is going to be the front three of United under contract for, for the next years five years. Yeah. For the next, like, I, and honestly, they're all English. They're all Manchester boys. There's a legitimate shot that United says we're not letting go of them until they're in their 30s and and come take them from us and see what happens. Uh, and, and having that kind of a, a front line that's that young and that lethal, like, I, I don't know that I want Conte in there sowing the amount because Conte may win a title, but he's also going to blow it up. Like, like yeah. they, Conte doesn't leave and everything's okay. No, no, you're, you're not wrong about that. What about Pochettino? Because honestly... I mean, I think- I think he would have. First of all, I think he's going to have more success in the Prem than than he would um, at PSG. I think he also, like, I, I think, think he he brings some of the tactic. Like, he might be a decent solution. Yeah, I mean, I think again, like, I, I don't necessarily think the fact that I, he might not be successful at PSG is more is down to him. I think it's just more down to the fact that it's like a kind of a toxic environment there. And you saw two goal struggle there. I mean, yeah, he went to the Champions League final. But Tuchel was sacked. I mean, I think, you know, Lauren Blanc's a good manager. Um, he didn't make the grade. I, I, I think it's more on, on PSG at this point than, than it is on Pochettino. Because yeah, and that, no matter who their manager is, just bottle it every year. Yeah, but man, I think, what a I mean, bummer would, that would he went there, right? I'm sorry. I, I think I would – I think at the end of the season, if the results aren't there, I would I would consider it. I Like, I would have frank discussions with, with, with Ole and – uh, like at the end of the season. And then I would have conversations with Pochettino about his, you know, let's find out, is he sacked from PSG by then? Right. Like yeah. if he's, if he's available or if United have to go pay for him in some way, you know, that changes things who mm-hmm. else may or may not get the sack at the end of the year. Like th- there are things that could be up in the air that could make United want to move, or they could be impressed with a performance in the rest of the year. And they could decide to, to stay with, uh, with Ole. And we really just kind of have to wait and see. You have to see what happens. Yeah. Still, still a long season ahead of us. I mean, another option is obviously Ronald Koeman. Um, you know, he, he's really turned things around in Barcelona. Uh, but, but you, you know, you know, apparently on, on Ronald Koeman, apparently Barcelona cannot afford to sack him. I was going to say that has to be the in. only reason because did you see? They cannot afford to sack him. Did you see? It's not that they can't afford to sack him. They could afford. They are currently paying him. They can afford to pay him and send him home. What they can't afford to do is pay someone else to head coach while they're still paying him. Yeah. My God. But did you see Jordi Alba uh, couldn't get a, couldn't get a minute in. And he asked one of the assistant coaches and the assistant coaches said, they told, you know, he told me not to play you because Ronald Koeman may not have been, you know, allowed to be pitch side, but he was definitely just watching the game from an office and still managing it. Yeah. Um, But to, to have a player of that caliber on your bench and go, yeah, he's not playing. Why? Oh, because the manager who's not even on the touchline, who's not even in the stadium says he's not playing. You, you know what is actually the the most, I mean, what, one of the most telling things about that? I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I, I follow football pretty closely. I, I'm not going to act like if I, if I don't know him, you know, he, he must not be good. 
but I generally don't know who they had at, you know, who, who their alternative was, who started that game. I'm looking now, it was, it was Serginho Dest at left back and they put um, Mingueza at, at right back. But I, I don't think you start Mingueza in the team over, over Jordi Alba. You just, no, you don't. You just and, don't do that. I'm sorry, but like that's, you, I don't know how you just, how do you justify that? You don't? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I yeah he's he's a manager that has like the wild thing isn't that he has lost the players because it's clear to everyone and their mother that he's lost the players the wild thing is that he's found a way to also lose his assistant coaches like the coaches were clearly on the player's side and we're like it sorry what can we do it's it's, I know another wild decision he played Frankie de Jong out in the wing listen he's gone and he's gone as soon as it, they can afford to find. He's like, gone as soon as, yeah. His, yeah. If he's gone as soon as they can find someone willing to take such cheap pay that they can, like, hire someone new. That that's but, it. But the question is, I mean, if, if you're a top manager, would you even want to go to Barcelona and the mess that they're in? If you're, let's just say you're Pochettino, the United job no, is it's, available this summer. The Barca job is available this summer. You're going to United. Oh, for sure. But you know what I mean, like, why, why would you want to go to Barcelona given the state that they're in? The Barcelona. What well, because they, Sorry, yeah. What they really like, what they're going to have to go after, and this is weird for them, I'm sure, but they're going to have to look for the manager at a smaller Spanish club who's been doing things. Uh, they have to look for the equivalent of getting Pochettino and bringing him two Spurs, like that kind yeah, of promotion. Yeah. Like uh, the guy, I think. We're like a like, Nagelsmann like, type serious, of. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Over, um, over Pochettino and over um, – I don't know anyone else that might go over Conte for sure. I think United should take a good hard look at Graham Potter in the summer. If they decide Ole isn't up to snuff. Okay. I mean, as, as well as Brighton have played so far, it, it's still early to be considering him for, for I, it's, it's not about you know this year. I mean? It's like, about last year too. It's about how good they, they looked. They finished the bottom half of the table last year. It's about how good they looked. It's about like, it, it's about the talent he has and the the underlying numbers about how much better he's making his team play. Like, like here's the thing. 16th last season. It may not work, but I think that's the kind of risk I'd rather see United. I'd rather see United go out and identify a brand of football and, and a manager who brings that style and who has the underlying stuff that says that we can give him a world-class roster and he can put the pieces together. Right, but I think if you give Pochettino a role, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'd rather a Graham Potter over a Pochettino or a Conte. I maybe, see. Maybe I think under Conte I could get, but certainly not Pochettino. I see. I think I might because I'm, you know, I, I'm worried about whether Pochettino. Pochettino has a longer history of not being able to win trophies. What is Graham Potter one? It's not what is Graham Potter. It's Graham Potter has has been doing great things at Brighton, and Pochettino probably should have done more at Spurs than he did with the amount of talent he had in that in those squads for a couple of years, he should have come away with something. And that's he, true, but he also, and he's struggling to do it. He he's struggling to do it with world-class players. We're finding out that Pochettino, everyone, but everyone struggles at PSG. Everyone. It doesn't matter. You, yeah, you but, put Klopp and Guardiola together and they would struggle at PSG. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but any manager is going to struggle there. It's a, it's a terrible environment. I don't know. Well, PSG is a group of individuals. It's not a team. Sure, but but Pochettino is is proving a couple things. The first thing is he he can't handle a team that's contending for a title in England, and, and clearly showed that. I mean, they should have won the title the year Leicester did. That there is no reason they they could not. I mean, United were bad, City were bad, Liverpool were bad, Chelsea bad. 
Leicester I, win I, the okay. title instead of Tottenham? Arsenal, think, bad. Like, the Arsenal were good that year, actually. Um, sure, they were good. But, no, I they mean, finished Leicester, 75 points. They finished second. Yeah, year. Leicester won the title. Points. Okay. And, and, and Arsenal weren't ever close. Tottenham was the team that Leicester clinched it over and then stopped caring, and Arsenal had to care at the end of the year. Right, like, right. But here's where I disagree with you on that. That was that was Pochettino's – okay, it was his third season. Um, but look at – I mean, I don't want to compare it to Leicester because Leicester is like just – you know, that's that's an anomaly. But look at where Spurs were when Pochettino took over and where they were. Let's just say the seat. Let's just say look at where Spurs were the season before Pochettino took over. And let's say look at where Spurs were in their final seat, their final full season. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the point. I mean, he inherited a congrats. To what he had he's to, not he in, to look at what he had to begin with. Congrats, he he's not inheriting a bad squad. I if listen, if I've got a project at Arsenal and I want to go get Pochettino to fix a, a middle tier team and bring him up to you know a top four place, great. But that's not what United are looking for. They're not looking for a team to rebuild. They're looking, they're looking for a manager who's gonna add the one piece that they need to take a team that already has all the talent and and go turn it into winning trophies. But I think I think this this United team is a lot more talented than what he had at Tottenham. And besides that one year where, you know, Tottenham, I mean, you say they should have won the league that year, the year that Leicester won it, but the season before that they'd finished what they'd finished fifth. They'd finished on 64 points. I mean, it's a lot to ask to go from that to, to winning the title in, in just one season. And if you look at the teams that Tottenham sort of missed out to, okay. When they were in their peak, which I would say between 2017 and 2019, they missed out to Manchester City, who got what 198 points that year. It's not just that; it's that he hasn't won any. He didn't pick up a League Cup. He didn't pick up a single FA Cup. I mean, like he only made a Champions League final because absolute chaos happened against City and Ajax. Like he really shouldn't have been in the semi-final, let alone the final. And you know, like I, he's he's won absolutely nothing and had been given far more of an opportunity to win things without being able to do it. And that's the point where I'd like to go. Look, my point is, if we're going to hit on Ole for not winning trophies instead of the process, compare compare what Ole took over under you know late November Jose third year, where United were twelfth or thirteenth, to being where United are at now, which is in that conversation and having one of the best rosters in the world. Right. Like, the team that Ole took over is also a team that had finished on eighty. That had finished second a few a few months ago. So oh, you're right. Sorry, no, 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 no. no. The same team that finished players. 18 points off the title. Okay, they finished with 81 points. That's an easy. That, that's still a very 18 good points off the title. To work with that is more. Ole hasn't Ole hasn't won anything. Pochettino hasn't won anything. I guess the Both? only team to have gotten 100 points in in the Premier League in the history of the Premier League. That was the team. Yes, United finished far behind them. But they were above. This is a team that finished above Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, and Arsenal when they weren't like total shit, right? So, oh, and by the way, we're playing. By the way, they were playing the most ugly football since Ferguson was born. Right, right. But the fact this is that was the worst. It doesn't matter. That was the worst. Objectively, that was the worst United since Ferguson was born. More on Mourinho lighting it on fire like he does, and the fact that that United team didn't have a good enough group of players. No, and and somehow, like, and Mourinho lit it on fire because that United team was starting Phil Jones and and Chris Smalling at center back, and and Daley Blind was getting a run, and Mkhitaryan was a disaster for us. And I'm just telling you, as a United fan, Pochettino is. Pochettino has been given a shot 
with a team that has had chances to win things and hasn't done it. And Graham Potter hasn't. And I think that he has to be a serious consideration uh, just for what he's done and, and the way he's made that, like, I'm just talking about the X's and O's. I want Graham Potter for the X's and O's and the weekly game plans and the tactical and strategic side of things. Because I, the flip side of Pochettino not winning anything is that other teams, spent the teams that have won these trophies, the Chelsea's, the, the Liverpool's, Man City, they've spent a lot more. Does Pochettino, Pochettino add just... anything? What does he add? I mean, well, I think it's for to add, but what does Ole add? You know, Ole, Ole adds, man, Ole adds even... man management that's literally like paralleled by maybe two or three in the world. And for, and if you want... For, for the you... amount of money that Ole spent at United, compared that to the amount Ole of money... Ole hasn't that, spent that, a penny, that... bro! Ole hasn't spent a penny. He Woodward spent spends all that money, baby. Ole, Ole hasn't spent a penny. Would United have spent had they performed better under Ole than Tottenham had under Pochettino? Given, given the amount of money that both sides have spent, who is yes, done, yes, done because United. Um, yes, because I like watching United play on a week in week out basis, and I didn't used to. Yeah, but I, I think still, all yeah, the money in the like, world I mean, is worth it. Still, yeah, but Spurs are still a fun team to watch under Pochettino. Yeah, but they were fun to watch when they were bad, and they were fun to watch when they were good. Ole took a team that was abysmal to watch and had so much dead weight and so many holes in the roster and turn and turned it into a team that top to bottom, you're like, oh, they might have one hole. You know, it's it looks like Declan Rice next summer. And and then you really start to go, well, where are the problems at United? Well, I, OK, but the same still has a lot of dead wood. I mean, Jesse Lingard is is dead wood. He's yes, he's, he's done well so far, but he's. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's what they need right now. Yeah, I mean, what Matic, Van de Beek are dead wood. Van de Beek, uh, the, sure. Uh, Matic is still putting in a shift and is he's he's not a player I'm trying to get rid of. It's more the Juan Matas that I'd love to see, yeah. you know, spend some time in the coaching uh, yeah. room and, and stop playing. But like other than that, they're, they're starting to to, you know, pay out and, and get some of the guys out of there. Phil Jones, it, it's 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 the Phil Joneses of the world that need to go. It's the um, who else am I? Who else was I thinking? There's someone else I'm thinking of that needs to be Eric Gonzo. Bye. Eric, Eric Bailly is, is surplus to requirement and needs to go. Uh, the question is, will anyone buy him? Um, the answer well, is probably you not. Have, you can't have too much longer left on this contract. Uh, no, we we signed him to a new deal this summer. Why? Because <laughs> he's an idiot. Oh, or he likes the paycheck. No, I, mean, it's not, I think it's more Woodward than Bailly. Bailly is smart. It's Woodward who, before he leaves United, just wants to go off. Wants to go off in style, doing what he does best. Yeah, it's 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 the likes of Lingard and Andreas Pereira who who made his his departure. Um, uh, and Rojo who who made his departure. Like you know, United have made plenty of inroads on getting rid of the deadwood. It's it's really just a couple of guys left that are that are problematic. And it's and Matic I think gets replaced when he stops being worth playing, which is like when you add a Declan Rice. Right, like, like I, I think Matic still serves a purpose in this squad on on a season long basis, but guys like Mata don't. Lingard, as well as he's played, probably doesn't provide anything. Like, if you're gonna do that with Lingard, go. Why did we buy Vanderbeek? He's younger and he provides the same amount of upside if you give him that run. And unfortunately, what Vanderbeek has proven to me, beyond a shadow of a doubt, has proven, is that he clearly isn't doing it in training. Because if Lingard's getting this many minutes ahead of him, there's a reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, um, I, I thought of one more who, adios, bye-bye, see you never. Anthony Martial, get out of my club. Yeah, I don't know how we, I don't know how we missed that, uh, given that we spent a good portion of the show talking about him. But, 
right, as uh, as we wrap up, because we are we are running out of of things to say. Um, and and plus and have we, a midnight shift. Yeah, and and Perry's got to go to work from twelve to eight a.m. Yeah, my my interesting work schedule that I have there. I mean, we have to bring up the most important match uh, of of the midweek, which you just completely ignored and were absolutely disrespectful to do so. Legia uh, Warsaw won, Leicester City nil. Yeah, I mean, Leicester have been pretty awful to start the season. They also blew a 2 0 lead over Crystal Palace um, over the weekend. I mean, look, I kind of, you know, at the start of the season, I didn't really, I wasn't expecting much of Leicester because I just think that but they were just, you ex- they've run out of steam. Were you expecting this? Right now, Group C of the Europa League, Legia Warsaw and Spartak Moscow at the top of the group on six and three points, respectively. Third and fourth place, Napoli and Leicester. That, I, I mean, I mean, to be fair, at least Leicester's finally, they finally got fourth, um, or at least they're finally in fourth. But no, in all seriousness, I, that, that did come as a surprise to me. West Ham has taken care Leicester, of business so sure far. Leicester blew a two-goal lead to Napoli as well. Yeah, they did. They were 2-0 up at home to Napoli, and they blew it. Turned it, it into a draw. Yeah. Yeah. Not so, good. Leicester did what they do best. Leeds, Leeds got on the on the positive side, finally won a game against Watford. Um, Watford, like, I, I think right now, if you had to put money on it, and I might just, you know, step across into Jersey and do so, um, Newcastle, Norwich, and Watford are the teams to, to be, you know, getting ready to play on a cold, rainy night in Stoke next year. Yeah, I don't really think there could be too many arguments with that. Um, Norwich picked up a point, though, well, against Burnley in that relegation six-pointer. Yeah, their they're first point of the season in seven games. Um, I think Southampton and Burnley should also be in the conversation. Southampton and Burnley are, are surely in the conversation, but <sighs> Newcastle looked terrible. No, Newcastle, yeah. I mean, New- Norwich I think Newcastle terrible. and Norwich are, are like certain to go down. Newcastle, um, Norwich and Watford both just look out of their depth, and Newcastle looks like they have absolutely nothing that impresses. And, and the question really will be, of those five teams that probably deserve to go down, which two get the results they need? Yeah. Because I think that seriously, it's, it's probably, I mean, let's see, Southampton, I actually do expect to put together the results they need to stay up, um, you know, and it might be, a, might be a gutsy finish to 16th or 17th at the end of the year. And Burnley, I expect to shithouse their way into getting the results they need to stay yeah, up. Yeah, because that's- And that's the, the difference. Yeah. And that's, that, I think that will be the separator is, is Southampton, I think, will, they can put together small stretch runs. Watford cannot just nick those results when, when they need to. No, no, Watford, Watford. That's, are, that's the issue. Watford are going to be a problem. Newcastle are going to be a problem. And Norwich have already booked their uh, booked their train tickets back down to the championship. Indeed they have. Um, but but with that, is there any anything else you think we should add, Jeff? I mean, Brentford 2-1 over West Ham. They continue to surprise. Uh, just solid results. Um, and, and I guess the the one thing I would Brentford tease. seventh right now. Yeah. Not bad oh, yeah. at all. Not, Not bad, bad. At all. I mean, I, I I fear that this is a Sheffield in the sense that I fear them going down on like five points next year, no matter how good the season is. is. That, that, that's going to be the thing for them. And we're seeing with Leeds as well, right? It's that second season. It's almost like a hangover year. Like that second season's when it, well, it's second season syndrome. Uh, but is, you know, if you if you stick around past that second season, the Premier League money really starts to kick in and you really start to see a team that like, like once you pass the, the two-year threshold, you really start to go, oh, can they? Do they, they have established themselves? Yeah. Right? Like Wolves yeah. for a while established themselves. And even now that they look worse, they because 
you know, the way they went about establishing themselves, they have enough talent that they're going to finish 13th or 14th when they're bad. And Wolves are by no means like, you know, historical Premier League teams that, that belongs here and has the long-term staying power. They're not a huge market, but what they've done is they built it a certain way. And after that second year and after a couple of trips to Europa, they, they can go, yeah, we've, we've done what we needed to, and we've got money to hang on to for a little while. Yeah. Look, look at Brighton. Brighton is like the prime example of that. Yeah, Bright, Brighton have done that incredibly well. Um, you know, we we all thought Sheffield were on their way to doing that before they didn't, embarrassingly. Well, I mean, the surprise um, is that, like, this is a team that was in the, in the conversation for the Champions League in their first year back, and, the, and then, then they finished 20th. Like, that, that's... that's Yeah, and, and maybe we were shock, getting a little but... greedy, given that they were in the conversation way too early. Like, it was November, December, and we were like, oh, they might put... You know, even into March, it was like, oh, they might... Oh, uh, just kidding. Well, I mean, even into March and the first season back, we, we were, I think it was, I, I don't think it was unrealistic to talk about Europe, European football. Maybe not. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it wasn't necessarily crazy unrealistic, but it was, uh, yeah, it, we'll see. Uh, here's, here's what we will say. International break coming up this week. No Premier League games this weekend. Nothing fun midweek. Just a bunch of trying to qualify and the U.S. finding new ways to embarrass themselves. You don't think Andorra against, like, I don't know, Luxembourg is, is, is a – you wouldn't watch that? No. The, the problem is that I have to care about international breaks because this U.S. team has shown that they're going to make me care until they can, uh, like, kind of show dominance in the region again. Uh, and they're, they're very young, and they're trying to figure out how crazy CONCACAF, CONCACAF is. So good luck to them for that. Yeah, big game this Thursday against Jamaica. Yeah, a couple of big games coming up. but Probably a must-win game, in all honesty. Um, there isn't a must-win CONCACAF game unless it's a home game. So if Jamaica's a home game, then yes. If it's not, it's not a must-win by this any stretch. This is a must-win game. They're at home. Then, it's at, they, yeah. then they better go out. Yeah, they, then yeah. it's decided they, it's a must-win game. But more importantly, we will be having some fun. The, the international break special. Which player still goes home to have their mother do their laundry. Who looks like they smell a little funky when they walk in? Who's the worst cook? We'll be who? dishing out the awards next weekend. Yeah, who, who's, the, who's the messy? Who doesn't do their dishes? Who doesn't uh, clean up after themselves? Who leaves their laundry unfolded on their bed? Oh, no, wait, that's me. Um, I, yeah, I was literally just about to say that. <laughs> but, Jeff, you've got so, my mind, dude. But anyway, yeah, so you will hear from us next week. Until then, thank you very much for listening. I'm Alex Perry alongside Jeff Hauser, and you will hear from us next, what, probably, what, Monday or Tuesday? I would next say. Mo- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Talk to you then.